Gracious Heavenly Father, with all the gifts that you have given to us, how can we not rejoice? How can we not sing praise to your name? For you are good. All that we have comes from you. And so today, this morning, on your Sabbath day, we rejoice. We praise your name and lift your name on high. And we ask, Lord, that as we open your word, we're looking to you as the author and finisher of our faith. Lord, give us this heavenly bread that our souls hunger for this morning. Feed us, Lord, as we come to you, the chief shepherd, as sheep of your pasture. We need your truth, your bread, your leading, your Holy Spirit this morning. All eyes are turned upon you, King of kings and Lord of lords. And now, Lord, I pray that you would feed your people and feed me. As we open your word together, we pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, all of God's people say, Amen. Amen. Brothers and sisters, is God faithful in your life today? Amen. If, uh, if so, I'd like you to say with me, God is faithful in my life. Do you trust Him today? If so, I'd like you to say with me, I trust in the Lord today. Do you believe that God is able to provide for your life? In every way. Can God make bread rain from heaven? He's done it once before. If so, say, I will pay my tithes and offerings. (laughs) Amen. Isn't that true? That we pay our tithes and offerings to the Lord because we trust Him. We pay our tithes and and offerings to the Lord because we believe He's faithful. We pay our tithes and offerings to the Lord because we believe He's the one that gives us the ability to to move forward and live and do all things in our life. I have a story for you this morning from the islands of Hawaii. Uh, The island of Kauai, actually. My grandparents, my great-grandparents were from the island of Kauai on the south side and the red clays of the Hanapepe. Anybody been to Hanapepe, Kauai? Yes. That is where my grandparents and great-grandparents grew up. And my great-grandmother was great-grandma Bonilla. And uh, when I was a little boy, I used to hear story after story after story of God giving His gifts to my family. Miracles, really. I mean, I I heard, and I'm going to share some of those stories with you this morning, but just story after story that instilled inside of me the truth that you cannot outgive God. You can't. Uh, That God is faithful to His people. That He will always provide. That that His promise that your bread and water will be sure uh, are true. Now, He didn't say that your Corvette and million dollar mansion will be sure. But He does say your bread and your water will be sure. And I grew up with these stories of miracles. One of the miracles that I grew up hearing was the miracle that happened to great-grandma Bonilla. Great-grandma Bonilla... Great-grandpa Vanilla were Catholics before, uh, through an evangelistic meeting, they were converted. Well, one of them was converted. My great-grandma was converted, became Seventh-day Adventist. 
And once she was converted, there was a struggle and tension in the home. Great-grandpa remained Catholic. Uh, the sort of Catholic that, that doesn't go to church. You know, ethnically Catholic. Uh, and great-grandma, devout Seventh-day Adventist. Tithe, well, convicted to pay tithes, Seventh-day Adventist. But there was a problem in great-grandma, great-grandpa Bonilla's home. Great-grandpa did not want great-grandma paying tithe or paying anything to the church. She could go to church on Sabbath, but you better not take the family income and pay tithes and offerings. He forbade her. And great-grandma was convicted that she needed to pay tithes and offerings. After all, all that God had done for her, how could she withhold what God had said is mine? How could she withhold it from him? And so when she was given the grocery money for the, for the week, unbeknownst to great-grandpa, Grandma Vanilla, that Sabbath morning, reached into her purse and put the grocery money into the offering plate. What money was that? That wasn't laundry. That wasn't laundry money. That wasn't the car pay- payment money. That's, that's the money that was supposed to pay for what you eat. Grocery money. She puts into the offering plate and doesn't say a word to anybody. Nobody knew. She goes home. A day or two passes. And outside of great-grandma's home, there was a porch that went around the house, wooden porch. And she would go out there and sweep. And as she was sweeping uh, the porch, two minor birds flew over, having uh, something green in their mouth. And as they flew over, they dropped what was green in the mouth, their mouth, and it floated, floated, floated down, landing at my grandmother's feet. She picked it up. And there was her grocery money returned to her from the Lord. That isn't the only story I heard. Over and over and over I heard how God is faithful. And how He provides for His people who by faith trust in Him. By faith give all to Him. Grandma Bonilla believed in tithes and offerings. Grandma Bonilla believed that you can't outgive God. Grandma Bonilla believed that God will always take care of you. And Grandma Bonilla believed that to give is more blessed than to receive. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 20 with me. Acts chapter 20. And we're going to go to verse 35. Acts chapter 20 and verse 35. The Apostle Paul is speaking to the Ephesians. And as he's speaking to the Ephesians, he, down there at Acts chapter 20 verse 35, he quotes the words of the Lord Jesus. He says, and remember the words of the Lord Jesus. That he said, it is what? It is more blessed to give than to receive. More blessed to let go than to hold on. 
more blessed to empty your bank account than to fill it. Now we think that the blessing goes the different, the other direction. Christmas morning, more blessed to, to receive than to give. I hope I got the biggest gift. I hope I got the best gift. More blessed to receive than to, than to give. I'm so glad that I got a, a paycheck. More blessed to receive than, than to give. I'm so glad of where I live or, or, or what I've received. But Jesus turns that around and says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. The law of giving is a law of heaven. And it's a law that God wants every one of us to receive. In Christian Experience and Teaching, page 174, it says that Jesus was presented to me, and that was Ellen White, as the perfect pattern. As the perfect what? Pattern. His life was without selfish interest but ever marked with disinterested benevolence. And as you read through the spirit of prophecy, you you come across this phrase, disinterested benevolence. What does disinterested benevolence mean? It means that you give. It means that you live a life of giving to other people, giving to those who need, giving to those who are in want. And most importantly, disinterested benevolence is living a life giving to God. Disinterested benevolence. And Jesus is that perfect pattern for you and for me. Disinterested benevolence. Always living to give, to give, to give. Councils of Health, page 95. It says, In the creation of man, the Lord designed that he should be active and useful, yet many live in this world as useless machines, as though they hardly existed. They brighten the path of none. They are a blessing to none. They live only to burden others. So far as their influence on the side of right is concerned, they are mere ciphers. But they tell with weight upon the wrong side. Search the lives of such closely, and scarcely an act of disinterested benevolence can be found. I pray that that is not the, uh, the description of anyone's life here. For God has given you a purpose in your life, and your purpose is not to live to yourself. In fact, the Bible tells us in Corinthians that Jesus Christ died, that we should live no longer for ourselves, but for Him who died for us. Jesus died so that we would be set free to give. Are you a giver this morning? Turn over to Proverbs 11:25 with me. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 25. Proverbs 11 and verse 25. And this is what it says, the generous soul will be made rich. And he who waters will also be watered himself. This law of giving which God has set down in Scripture is something that we see all through nature. The plants, the animals, the environment of this world which God created, every piece gives to another. The trees... Think of the trees. 
Those trees, what do the trees give? Oh, the first thing we think of is oxygen. How many appreciate oxygen? How many of you would shake your fist at the trees if the trees all stopped giving oxygen? Say, hey, I appreciate this gift. Don't stop giving. You see, the trees don't just live for themselves, do they? And how blessed is the world that they give and give and never stop giving. But you know, you also give, for you breathe out nitrogen. And those trees receive the nitrogen that you breathe out. Tree, you know, trees don't just provide uh, oxygen and we don't just provide not- nitrogen. Trees also provide more. Their wood provides, uh, I mean, look at how much wood. Will we have a church building like this without the wood of the trees? And you know, the trees don't just provide houses for us. The trees provide houses for birds. They provide houses for squirrels. You go outside. Let's see. Which direction are we? This way. And those giant cedar trees. 53 years ago, they were planted and they were this big. When this church was built. uh, I guess that's over 53 years. 1953. They were planted. They were this big. And now they're huge. You go by them in the morning and there's all these squirrels that have made homes in the trees. How happy would those squirrels be if the trees evicted them today? You see, trees give. But trees give because they were created to give. They give shade in a hot summer day. Uh, Trees give us warmth as we burn their fuel on a cold winter night. And that's just trees. Think of rabbits. And not just rabbits, but other furry animals that are created on on planet Earth. Uh, What do rabbits give? Well, you know, in the wintertime, rabbits and other animals get an extra bunch of fur, right? What happens in the spring? They begin to shed. But you know, in the springtime, there's something else that's happening up in the trees. Birds are beginning to fill their nests with pokey and hard sticks. And they don't want their babies to be sleeping on pokey and hard sticks. And so what do the birds do? They collect the, the fur that the rabbits give and shed off to line their nests so that their little babies can have a warm and a comfortable place to grow up. The rabbits give, the birds take. You can go all through nature and you find this over and over and over again. The dirt, even the dirt gives, doesn't it? The dirt gives nutrients. How many of you are grateful for dirt? You know, your carrots grow in dirt. Lettuce, your salads, uh, corn, corn on the cob. All of this drawing nutrients from the dirt. And you know, when these, when these plants die and decay, what do they give back to the dirt? They give, through giving their life, they give, their so- they give nutrients back into the dirt. That's why in the Bible it says, every seven years, let your land lay fallow, so that the plants that naturally grow can die and give their nutrients back into the dirt. Everywhere you look on planet Earth, there is a principle that the universe lives off of, and that principle is giving. 
Think of the streams and rivers all over the world. There's not a stream nor river that doesn't give and give and give. And the more it gives, the more it gets. Everything that it gets, it gives. The foundation of God's government is giving. In fact, this is the very heart of God. If you open your Bible, what are all the things that you see that God has given to you and to me? What are some of the things that He's given to us? He's given to us life. I mean, in about 30 seconds, I wrote down rest, peace, joy, safety, food, shelter, water, salvation, hope, guidance, truth, wisdom, power, healing, strength, angels, life, and the list goes on and on and on. God didn't just give one thing or a dozen things. God gives and gives and gives. And He doesn't just give to those people who are good who are following Him. He doesn't just give to those people who are doing the right things. The Bible says that God loves giving so much He even gives to His enemies. He gives. Why? Because that is the character of God. And if God's church reflected God's character, they would give too. Because the Spirit of God is giving. Matthew 5, verse 45, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. How many of you want to be sons and daughters of your Father in heaven? That's all of us, right? That you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for He makes His Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sheds sin's rain on the just and on the just. You know, oftentimes, when we give, we try and make sure that the person we're giving to is really worthy of the gift. How many here, at times in your life, feel like you're, you're, you, uh, you want to make sure that people are worthy before they receive? Eh, don't you? Don't you? I mean, it's natural. You, you naturally, in your mind, you want to say, I want to make sure that I'm giving to a worthy cause. In fact, men and women today will withhold tithes and offerings from the storehouse of God because they don't believe they're giving to a worthy cause. You know what? It's not your business. The Lord holds men and women accountable for how they use the money at every level of the church. He is more than capable of removing men and women from offices. He has not called you to make that judgment. He has called you to simply give. But we have this heart that says, I don't want to just give. I want to give only to him that is worthy. How many of you are grateful this morning that God doesn't have our heart? Where would you be if God had your heart? If God only gave in the moments when you were worthy, where would you be? We would be lost, brothers and sisters. God gives with grace. He gives with mercy. He gives with compassion. He gives with the foresight looking down the road of what His church will be once transformed by His grace, but is not yet. He still gives. He gives and He gives and He gives. The truths of giving that the natural world teach us is that the more you give, the more you receive. We were created to give. Giving is at the foundation of life. 
But the truths of the natural world also teach us that selfishness and withholding is the foundation of death and decay. In Acts of the Apostles, page 75, Ellen White talks about Ananias and Sapphira. She says, The hearts of men become hardened through selfishness. And like Ananias and Sapphira, they are tempted to withhold part of the price while pretending to fulfill God's requirements. Many spend money lavishly in self-gratification. Men and women consult their pleasure and gratify their taste while they bring to God almost unwillingly a stinted offering. They forget that God will one day demand a strict account of how His goods have been used and that He will no more accept the penance they hand into the treasury at that time than He accepted the offering of Ananias and Sapphira. Think of the natural world. The natural world testifies that to withhold brings death. Think about the places where clouds never give rain. Can you think of a place where the clouds never or rarely give rain? I lived in one of those places for 11 years. It was horrible. You know what we call them? We call them deserts. And people here complain when the temperature reaches above 90. You don't know hot. <laughs> you know what hot is? Hot's when you uh, turn the air conditioner on in your car 20 minutes before you get into your car and you get in and the air conditioner has been running for 20 minutes already and you put your hands on the steering wheel and you go, ouch, that's hot. It's hot when you're driving down the road in Phoenix. The air conditioner is blowing full on in your face and you can hardly feel it. You think I'm making this up? This is 11 years of experience, brothers and sisters. I praise the Lord for 95 in Portland. All because those clouds were selfish. They wouldn't give rain. And you know what happens when they do give? When they finally do give? They hold and they hold and they hold. And then when they finally do give in the monsoons, floods come through and destroy. Uh, the ground isn't, isn't able to receive all that is given at that point because there was not a consistent giving the ground has dried up already, and it can't receive the gifts at that time. Think about the ponds that never let go of their water. Can you think of those slimy, mosquito-infested ponds that never give? Anybody want to swim or live near one of those ponds? No? Think of the animals if they were never to bring back food to their young only went out hunting for themselves. We'd have no eagles. We'd have no... Uh, soon the animal population would die out. And yet many today live a life of selfishness, not paying tithes, not giving the Lord His tithes, His 10%, and not giving the Lord offerings at all, thinking believing that somehow their life is going to be blessed, overfilled, and prosperous 
when God has told humanity that we cannot receive the blessings, those same blessings that God would give unless we ourselves give. Turn over to Haggai chapter 1, verses 6 through 2. Haggai chapter 1, verses 6 through 2, through 10. Haggai chapter 1, verses 6 through 10. Here we have a description of people who refuse to give to the Lord. The Lord says, you have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put into bags with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple, and that I may, may, may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, it blew away. Why, says the Lord of hosts, because of my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house. Therefore the heavens above you withhold the dew, and the earth withholds its fruit." Psalms 127 verse 1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. The mentality that I have to make money because I have to pay my bills is a deception. The Bible tells us that the Lord is the one who gives you power to get all that you get. And that all that we owe, the Lord can provide for. There was a time in my life where our family decided that we were going to withhold what we normally gave. Uh, we, are, we customarily give 10% tithe. That's what the Bible requires. And we customarily give 10% offering to, uh, in gratefulness to match the tithe. And we had gotten ourselves into a position where we had a lot of debt. And we decided temporarily we are going to withhold our offerings so that we can pay our debt. The Lord wants us to be debt free. Let's pay our debt. And it makes sense in a paycheck to if you retain 10%, you should be getting ahead a lot quicker, right? Would that make sense to you? That's like math, right? If you keep 10%, you get ahead 10% more each month, right? $100 a month equals $1,000, $1,200 at the end of the year. 
Ten years later, you're at $12,000. That's a big chunk of money, right? I couldn't figure out why it didn't work that way. First, my wife got in the car and began to back out. And uh, she saw the truck, but she didn't see the low trailer, the low steel trailer behind it that was parked behind us and backed right up into the, into the trailer. And there went the bumper of the truck. There went the expense of repair. There went my insurance. We thought, oh, that's okay. You know, things happen. We're good. We're good. A few months later, we went to camp meeting. Went all the way through camp meeting. As I'm pulling out of camp meeting, the sun hits my window just so, so that I can't see quite behind me the large tree that was there. And I back right into the tree. Completely and totally destroys the, uh, the back end carrier of my car. I think that's okay. I mean, flukes happen. You know, things happen. We're good. We'll just repair this. Man, this is getting expensive. I was pulling my fifth wheel. And before I left pulling my fifth wheel, we typed in a, uh, a campground. It looked like a nice campground. There was nowhere online that said it was closed or anything. We start going down this one-way road in the middle of Arkansas, and, uh, and a farmer in a tractor meets us on this, one, this one-way road. He pulls way off. I roll down my window. He said, hey, where are you guys headed? I said, we're headed to the campground down here. He said, oh, there's no campground down there. That's been flooded and closed for over a year. I said, really? So we keep driving. And uh, I find this little turnaround area, and I try and turn around in that area with my big 40-foot fifth wheel, and the fifth wheel tips over and lands on the edge of my truck and completely busts apart the, the, the side bed of the truck. <laughs> so I decide I'm going to take my truck into the repair shop. I get the repairs done. Uh, Finally, everything is restored to normal. That Sabbath, while the truck is in the repair shop, we get in our Jetta and we go uh, to worship at at a church. I pull into the church parking lot and I don't see those curbs. And I pull over the curb with my, with the front end of my car. I think, oh no. So I try and back, back out and the whole front end of my car falls off. <laughs> this is Sabbath morning. After church, I'm with rope tying the front end of my car back onto my car. And I finally got it. Um, you can't outgive the Lord. And uh, to withhold from giving to the Lord brings death and destruction. I found out what that verse is talking about. You put money into your bag and there's holes in your bag. The money just keeps falling through. You know, the children of Israel were led by the Lord into the wilderness. And what did the Lord do for their shoes and clothing? 
The shoes didn't wear out. The clothing stayed together. Their, their, the bumpers on their cars didn't fall off. They saw the trailers behind them before they hit it. They didn't go down the wrong, the wrong road and, and cause their trailer to tip over on their truck. I mean, all of these disasters. You don't know, my friends, how many disasters every day the Lord saves you from simply because you are faithful to Him, simply because you, you, you love Him and follow His, His commands. You know, the Lord tells us that if we follow His commandments, He will bless us. And if we choose to do our own thing our own way, if we choose to rely upon the arm of flesh rather than relying upon the arm of God, a curse is upon us. A curse is upon us. And I care too much for you. And I know you care for me. To let you go on my brothers and sisters and not pay tithes and offerings. You can't afford to do it. You can't afford to miss your tithes, your offerings before the Lord. Manuscript release uh, 150, 1898. It says, those who have accumulated debts and make, those who have accumulated what? Debts. How many here have debts? Anybody here have debts? Now, I'm not asking you what sort of debts. They may be school debts, which are the worst. Credit card debts, which you pay through the nose with credit card debts. And maybe mortgage, maybe car payment. But almost everybody here raised their hand and said they had debts. Listen to what what she says because she's talking to those who have debts. She says, those who have accumulated debts... And make this an excuse why they, why they have invested all their profits and earnings, including their tithe, to help cancel these debts before they give back to God His own are making a breach in the contract God has made with them. They have taken God's portion, the tithes and offerings which the Lord has specified should come into His treasury and put it to a selfish use. In this they have committed a breach of trust. He that is unjust in that which is least will be unjust also in much. When I read that, I said, okay, Lord, that's it. We have tried to pay our debts through the arm of flesh. We have tried to scrimp and save and do all that we could to pay our debts. And let me tell you, we were in debt up to... The wazoo, you know? Have you heard that term? Up, in debt up to the wazoo? That means that, like, you're in a really bad place. Like, you're, you, you, you're, like, trying to pay off three houses. It's, like, a lot. And, and we couldn't get ahead. We could not get ahead. I remember uh, some of our, our payments were, like, several G a month just to debts. Like, two or three thousand dollars just to debts. And we finally backed off and said, okay, Lord, you know what? We were wrong. We are going to give a faithful tithe. And we are also going to give a faithful offering. Full 10% tithe, full 10% offering. But Lord, if we do this, you need to be in charge of our debts. The 
My wife prayed a crazy prayer. Do you mind if I share that story? Can I? Okay. It's her story. I have to get permission. This is her story. At the end of her school year, at the end of her schooling, and she studied to become a naturopathic doctor, and man, it costs a lot of money. Um, think of a whole house, okay? So at the end of that, she said, Lord, if you called me to go through school, then this debt belongs to you. I want to ask that you would pay my debts in, what was it, three and a half years? Three years. Three years. Lord, pay my debts in three years. We're talking a a debt the size of a what? A house, a mortgage debt. How many think you can pay off your house in three years? I mean, your whole house. Three years. I, I said, you're nuts. Couldn't you have said like seven or like 14 or at least give like a, an actual mortgage, like 30. Lord, help me to pay it in 30 years. She said, no, no. She said, I'm going to do three. Three years, Lord. And she prayed and she prayed and she prayed and she prayed. When we arrived at this church, it was October. And October was the end of the three years. And all I have to say to you, brothers and sisters, is that God is faithful. What we thought was impossible, God was able to do when we paid our tithes and offerings. We no longer have that house. In fact, we no longer have any house. (laughs) We have a fifth wheel. But praise the Lord, we no longer have the weight that was on our back. We no longer have that debt. The Lord was able to hear our prayer. And it was only through the miracle of God. And that was with paying 10% tithe, 10% offering, and my wife choosing to give up her job and do full time with the children on one salary. Now, we don't have a lot. I mean, we got a Volkswagen Jetta that has 256,000 miles on it. And praise the Lord, it keeps running. God is causing the tires not to wear out. It's going to keep running. The Lord is going to bless us. And we're going to keep giving our tithes and offerings because we're realizing time and time again that God is able to provide for us in ways that we could never provide for ourselves. God has given men and women a spiritual exercise so that our hearts would be knit with His. And so that our hearts, would, the cords that bind us to this world would be broken. In Leviticus 27 verse 30 it says, And all the tithe of the land, whether of seed, the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. Deuteronomy 14.22 You shall truly tithe all the increase of your grain that the field produces year by year. Does God want us to tithe? Absolutely. Does God want us to give offerings? Yes, and there are some in this church that believe their only obligation is to tithe, and that is not true. The Bible requires tithe and offering. The difference is that the percentage of tithe is specified, the percentage of offering is not. 
That's the only difference, but we are to give tithes and offerings according to the Lord. Is tithe canceled in the New Testament? Turn to Matthew 23, verse 23. Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. You may know this passage. It starts off with, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. Then he says, These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Some read this verse and say, See, all that matters is justice and mercy and faith. But Jesus says, No, both of them matter. Both of them matter. In the sight of God. Testimony, volume 3, page 394. She says, All that is withheld of that which God claims, the tenth of the increase, is recorded in the books of heaven against the withholder as robbery. And she's not the only one that says that, for the Bible itself tells us in Malachi 3, verse 8 and 9, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, In what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. And I'd like to tell you, you know, you know who you are before the Lord. I'd like to tell you how long How long will you be counted a robber before the Lord? How long? It's true. The church does not need your money. It's true. God doesn't need your money. We give tithes and offerings because we need the blessing. We need that blessing of giving. You give tithe, you know, you give more tithe or less tithe, it, it, it doesn't matter to me. I actually don't feel it in my, in my paycheck at all. You give more, you give less. It, it's, it's, not, it's not about supporting necessarily me. It's about doing what God has called you to do. God is able to take care of this church. If nobody gave in this church... Would this church die? Oh no, friends. We could could all meet together in some open parking lot. We could all go down to Estacada together and meet together. Nothing will stop God's people from meeting and worshiping together. We'd meet together in homes if we had to. But let me tell you, God blesses you and blesses others when you choose to give to the Lord in tithes and offerings. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10 says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. It was Ananias and Sapphira who thought to cheat God. You know, the church didn't know how much they were giving, Right? But there was somebody in heaven who knew. Peter says, the Lord knew, the Holy Spirit knew, and you have not cheated your brothers and sisters in church. You've not cheated your pastor. You've not cheated. uh, You haven't cheated this church. You've cheated God. You've robbed the Holy Spirit. You've lied to the Holy Spirit by, by withholding more than you should have given. 
In Testimonies, Volume 3, page 395, it says, God gives man nine-tenths while he claims one-tenth for sacred purposes. As he has given man six days for his own work and is reserved and set apart the seventh day for himself, for like the Sabbath, a tenth of the increase is sacred. God has reserved it for himself. He will carry forward his work upon the earth with the increase of the means that he has entrusted to man. Luke chapter 12, verse 34, it tells us, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The ones we are hurting when we choose not to give tithes and offerings is ourselves. We are hurting our own spiritual walk. And we are, we are causing ourselves not to be prepared for the end of time. God has a blessing for us if we give. Testimonies, Volume 3, page 395, she says, Whenever God's people in any period of the world have cheerfully and willingly carried out His plan in systematic benevolence and in gifts and offerings, they have realized that standing promise that prosperity should attend all their labors just in proportion as they obeyed His requirements. When they acknowledged the claims of God and complied with His requirements, honoring Him with their substance, their barns were filled with plenty. But when they robbed God in tithes and in offerings, they were made to realize that they were not only robbing Him, but themselves. For He limited His blessings to them just in proportion as they limited their offerings to Him. Isn't Doesn't Malachi 3.10 say, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house? And the Lord says, Try me. What does He say? Try me. Try me. me." I mean, there are very few, few times the Lord says, Test me. In fact, Jesus even said at one point to the devil, Thou shalt not test the Lord thy God. But there is one test that we are allowed to do. There is one test that God says, okay, test me. Give it a try. Try me now in this and see if I will not what? See if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke. God promises I will rebuke. He will do what? Rebuke who? The devourer. For your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. You won't back into trees. You won't run over bumpers. You you won't tip your trailer over and go down the wrong road. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Pastor, what if my tithes and offerings means that my, I have to give my grocery money? You can't get more poor than a college student. I was a college student. And as I was going through college, I came to a place where I was left with the choice of buying groceries or paying tithes and offerings. And I was a religious college, college student. I was going through to be a pastor. I did call portering. I worked in the Ellen G. White Research Center. 
And let me tell you, it was still difficult for me to choose between groceries and paying tithes and offerings. So don't think, don't think that you have it more difficult than anybody else. It was difficult. I remember kneeling by my bed with tears flowing down my face and taking the money that I had that was for groceries and laying it out before the Lord and choking out through my prayer, Lord, I trust you. I believe that you will provide the food that I need. I don't know how it's going to come or where it's going to come, but I trust you. And I rose up from my bed and wiped the tears from my eyes and put that money in a tithe envelope. And I got in my car and I headed to work at the Ellen G. White Research Center. My wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, we, we both worked there. We walked into Mrs. Marianne Hadley's office. She was the director of the Ellen G. White Research Center. We walked into her office, and she says, come over here. She said, I want to give you something. We came over to her, and she opened a drawer in her desk, and she pulled out an envelope, and she said, I need to give this to you. We said, what's this? She said, open it up. So we opened it up, and it was filled with money. She said, count it. So we counted. Counted all that money. It was double, exactly double what I had laid on the bed. Just a few hours before. I said, why did you give this to me? She says, I have no idea. I said, what do you mean you have no idea? She said, I was driving down the road at about noon when suddenly the impression came, Marianne, you need to go to the bank. She said, what? Go to the bank for what? She kept driving. The impression came again. Marianne, you need to go to the bank. She said, okay, I don't know what I'm going to do at the bank. But she turned around. She went to the bank. And when she parked in the bank parking lot, the voice told her, Marianne, you need to pull out of your bank account this amount. She went into the bank. She pulled out that exact exact amount, put it in an envelope, and went to her office and put it in her desk, not knowing what the Lord was going to do with it. Until I walked into that office and the Lord said, give it to them. Brothers and sisters, you can't outgive God. You can't outgive Him. Everything that you receive is from the Lord. Your food, your water, your shelter. Trust Him. Trust Him. What if it comes down to your life? You're going to give your tithe and offering for your life? For the life of somebody else? When we had our first child, before we had our first child, my wife was pregnant with our son. And she was put on strict bed rest for four months in the back of our fifth wheel trailer in Arizona in summer. In summertime, I don't know if you've been in an RV in Arizona in summertime, but in summer, you have to have both, 
You have to have two air conditioners running full time to get any sort of relief from the heat in an RV. She was in the back of the RV, laying on her back in a recliner all day, day and night for four months. Which, I can't believe she, she did that. They, the doctor told her, if you don't lay on your back for four months, she said, you will not have this child. And she was thre- threatening to give birth early. And so she had to lay back there. As the summer heat began to increase and increase and increase, uh, unexpectedly, the air conditioner in the back, where she lays down, broke. Middle of summer. And I looked at our bank account and I realized that I had just enough to pay for an air conditioner. But that money was what I owed in tithes and offerings. And I was a pastor at this point and I, I fought with God. I said, Lord, I said... You can't expect me to pay tithes and offerings when I've got a pregnant wife and my first child on the way. They're going to die in this heat in the back of the trailer. They can't live like that. Lord, I know you'll understand. I, I, I know it. Lord, I'll pay you later. I, I'll, I'll write you an IOU. You know, I'll make payments to you to catch up, Lord. You know, he wouldn't accept a single one of my reasonings. I mean, I gave him every reason in the book, and he wouldn't accept a single one. And you know how you know that he hasn't accepted your reasoning? You have no peace. He, I mean, you just have no peace. And finally, I went back to my wife. I said, I, we have, I have no peace. We have to give our tithes and offerings. We decided together that we were going to give our tithes and offerings to the Lord and leave the results up to him. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe she would just have to sweat it out in the back of the trailer. I don't know. No, I wouldn't have done that to you. I don't know what we would have done, but... Anyways, um, after we decided to give the tithes and offerings to the Lord that afternoon, an individual who, had, who was visiting our church, who I had never spoken to on the phone before in my life, called me. And said, hey, just wanted to see how you're doing. I said, we're fine. He said, are you sure you're okay? How's your wife? I, she, she, she's a little warm right now. But we're okay. What happened? The air conditioner in our fifth wheel broke. But don't worry about it, brother. God's got it under control. <laughs> uh, and then he said, well, I'd like to buy you a new air conditioner. The first words out of my mouth was, you don't have to do that. <laughs> you know, it's, it's hard for us to receive from others, isn't it? Amen. It's hard. He said, no, no. He said, even when it's from the Lord and you know it's from the Lord. No, 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 no. God's going to take care of it. He is taking care of it. He just brought you somebody to pay for an air conditioner. I said, okay, okay, brother. Uh, he said, I'll write you a check. Come by and pick it up. So he wrote me the check. I came by, picked it up. Uh, cashed the check, was so grateful to the Lord, went down to get the air conditioner, bought the air conditioner, went back. Then I had to figure out how to get it up on my roof because that thing was heavy. I mean, and then my neighbor offered to come over, who happened to be the head elder of the church, 
And uh, he, he woofed that thing on the back of his shoulder and right up on, onto the trailer. I was so grateful that he didn't die. And we got that thing installed and everything hooked up. And I flipped the switch to turn it on and it just went click and nothing came on. I thought, oh no. Previous to that, I had realized that the amount that that guy had written in a check for us was just a little bit too much. He had written us too, he had given us too much money. I got in the air conditioner cheaper than I thought I was going to get it, and he'd given us too much money, so I called him up and told him, listen, I don't need all this money. I, I, I need to drive it down to you and give you the remainder back. And he said, no, 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 no. He said, what I've given, I've given. The Lord knows what you need. You keep all the money that I gave. I said, okay, praise the Lord. So after the air conditioner went click, I thought, oh no, we got a dud. What are we going to do? I began doing more research and I found out there's a second piece to the air conditioner that you can buy that's a control unit. And sometimes that goes bad as well. And I, uh, I looked up that control unit and the cost of it and the, the amount left over from the check and the amount for that control unit were exactly the same. I had just enough to buy that control unit. Went down, bought it, put it in, and it worked. The Lord provided. You know, at the end of time, at the end of time, will it really matter how much I gave to the Lord? Will tithes and offerings matter? Why not wait until I can afford to give? Turn over to Revelation 13. Revelation chapter 13, verse 17. Notice what it says. It says in verse 16, He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads. And that no one may buy or sell except one who has the what? The mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. That none may do what? Buy or sell. What does buy and selling uh, require? It requires money. Those at the end of time are going to have to choose between groceries, their money. They're going to have to choose at the end of time between life, their money. There's going to be, become a time where all of us in this room will be faced with that choice. And there are going to be some in this world who decided to withhold their tithes and offerings so that they could buy their groceries. There are going to be some in this world who chose to withhold tithes and offerings so that they could pay their rent. There are going to be some in this world who are so used to withholding tithes and offerings that when the mark of the beast comes and they have to choose between groceries and money, they're going to choose their money because that has been their life choice all along. Amen. And brothers and sisters, I don't want that to be you. And the Lord doesn't want that to be any of us. And if it's not going to be us, then and we need to make a decision today. Today the Lord is calling you to give Him a faithful tithe and a faithful offering. 
I don't know where you are in, uh, in this process. I don't know what excuses you've been making before the Lord. But today the Lord wants you to step out in faith and give Him what He has called His own and place your hand in the hand of the Omnipotent and see that the Lord can provide for your life. And brothers and sisters, the faith that you exhibit today and the miracles you see today will carry you through to the end. Is there anybody here today who feels under the conviction of the Lord to begin giving a faithful tithe and a faithful offering? Is there anybody here today who feels the Lord moving upon their hearts to give a faithful tithe and a faithful offering? Today, you need to commit this to the Lord. It's going to require His strength to be able to follow through. You need to commit this to the Lord. Amen? I want to give you an opportunity to commit this to the Lord. If you want to make that commitment today, I invite you to kneel with me. I'd like you to pray with me, gracious Lord. All that is in the world is yours. And that includes everything in my bank account. Lord, I have not been as faithful as you have been to me. But today I make a commitment to you. I make a commitment to pay my tithes, which is 10% of my income. I make a commitment to pay offerings, which I will give gratefully to you, Lord. I make this commitment because I feel the, the moving of your spirit. And Lord, I want to be prepared for the end of time. I want to be one of those who stand as a faithful person at the end of time. Lord, I don't want the mark of the beast. And Lord, I do want your blessings. Right now, I'm calling upon you to give me strength. And to help me, Lord, to exercise faith in you. And to begin giving a faithful tithe to you and a faithful offering. Lord, I give you my debts. Lord, I give you all that I have. Take care of me. I trust in you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.